and it's kind of about tricking your body a little bit, right? And I think the biggest thing is, is we were talking about this the other day, like America has a huge problem not with dieting or losing weight because actually studies show that America is really good at losing weight. Like we crush diets and we crush training. We have a really big issue with weight regain. And a lot of people that start a diet actually end up a year later heavier than they were before. We got double live action. Look at, let's show uh, the world Theo's ghetto tripod. Yep. That's a big ass tripod. It's okay. actually Michael's. I just made it better. What what movie are you resting it on? Waterboy? Waterboy. Is that Waterboy? Uh, we were just talking happiness. about. Did you grab the As I Said Slap Hands and not even realize it? Because that's what movie that's from. I didn't even realize that I put Waterboy down there. That's kind of funny, huh? Yeah. Into Westing. Weird. All right, we recording? Uh, at the yeah. high quality. Yeah. Too old. <laughs> Sorry with that. <laughs> I just slapped myself in the face. <laughs> yeah, you're a little cod mouth, I lost man. it. Cod mouth. That's true. All right, so we got a Q&A today. Do you want to just like jump right into it, or do you got some like random shit you want to talk about first? No random shit. Okay, well, if it comes up, it comes up. All right, so Q&A. Michael, throw it our way. All right, first question is, what's the best way to get rid of muscle soreness? Specifically... From Theo's something, something, right? I think, he, I think he was pissed at you about something. What yeah, I, I was curious what exercise it was. He's, he's on a new program. Um, so he's on a very similar program as, as me. I, I'm kind of doing a project with uh, about five five of my guys. Um, so it's 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 something that they haven't done before. There's there's a whole lot more volume than than they're used to, so they're just getting. Are they doing the five through one than the AMRAP? No, they the so they did that. Okay, um, which was kind of like that was a good progression into this into this new program. I got someone um, on that. That one's always like a classic program, and the, the fact that you can like after week three you can just run it back yep, and just continue, and you, and you see yeah. like instant gains. And I, yeah, I like that. I was gonna do a hypertrophy phase for for some of them, but um, I decided to do um, the program uh, that we're on. So it's more you know based on those compound lifts so they got a deadlift day they got a bench day they got a uh they got a squat day um so and everything the accessory work changes from week to week but it's so on so let's say week one for example um they got uh deadlift for uh deadlift day reps then they got uh, bench day strength uh, more more of a strength focus and then squat day is more for you know speed and then it just in the next switches. week it yeah exactly Dope. um so i got them on that for the next six weeks um and and they're they're super pumped about it but again like it's just something that they haven't done yeah. before and there's a lot more volume there's a lot more demand from their body um, everybody's appetite within the first week has like skyrocketed. Yeah, that's a good sign. Um, so it's, it's, it's really good. I like that too. I think I've actually, it, it's kind of like a power building style of program. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of that with my guys online and it's like, I start, so I do for them, I'm doing four days a week just cause I have more freedom to do so. And it's like uh, bench squat, deadlift, overhead press, but it, uh, it undulates every day. So like w- 
you start with deadlift six sets of three, and then the next day is bench, and it's five sets of seven, and then it goes four sets of nine, and then six sets of six, and then the next yep. week all those change through. So we can follow this for like sixteen weeks and just constantly check change up the accessory work. But same thing, like volume increases, but the cool thing is intensity always changes, and I think that's like one of the biggest factors too, because every week it's like a new thing. Right. I love that. So, um, but the question, yeah, how to get rid of muscle soreness. I, Man, it it kind of just really. I mean, you have you there's, there's so many different way, ways. Like, yeah, yeah. There's 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 just some shit that you can't really help. Like you're gonna be sore. I guess how to reduce soreness, um, reduce inflammation. We've talked about it in the past. Uh, you know, whether you're doing a cold plunge or an ice bath, Epsom salt bath, um, something like that. I find to be the best for me right. personally. Um, so I think, but I think that's like really good for extreme muscle soreness. Like when I think of this question, I I think about like okay, there's float tanks, there's all these things, but I'm like, realistically, I never make time to do those things. Every once in a while, I'll go get a massage just, and it's more of like a stress relief. Right. So for me, I look at that and I'm like, make sure you're getting your omega threes and your fish oil, right, drink more right. water and get six to eight hours of sleep every night Yeah. because guarantee that's going to help. And you can actually fucking do that. And yeah. it's easier to control. Right. Um, that other stuff works great. So if you can make time for the salt bath and stuff or yeah. banya, like that shit is golden. Yeah. I just know that I never put myself through an ice bath yeah. because I'm like, fuck. Well, that. I would, I would just say to do it, you know, maybe, maybe once a week at this point, just because I know where he's at. Like, and, and again, we're, we're pushing, you know, I'm pushing these guys to the, to the max, right. We're, right. we're reaching new, uh, you know, uh, new limits and, and what, they're doing is they're they're really like inflaming their their muscles right so again like when we talk about reducing the inflammation um doing you know cryo chamber or ice bath or you know a cold plunge of some sort um again like you you just got to think about different ways how you can do that without taking ibuprofen or right. anything like that and that's actually where i was going to take this now i think like if you're doing something that different and it's like extreme then you should like separate some time, take some money and go invest in some of those things every once in a while, once a month, whatever. But again, every day, more sleep, more water, more fish oil, but do not resort to ibuprofen because like there's more studies coming out that show it's just bad for gut health and the bacteria in your gut health gets worse and worse as it adapts to that. Right. So I have like, I literally haven't taken an ibuprofen in so long and like I'll get a headache and I'll just be like, fuck, why do I have such a bad headache? Am I not sleeping enough? Do I need to meditate? Do I need more water? Did I not have caffeine today? And that I'm used to having a lot of caffeine. So I immediately go to those things and fix the cure before I go to ibuprofen. Right. It's really just not good. So definitely don't do that. But uh, applicable, I, I would just, number one is more sleep. Because yeah. I think that's the biggest thing a lot of people don't get is just downtime and sleep. Fish oils, more water. Yeah. I actually had a question about the caffeine. So when you said, I know people have had, like, they get the caffeine headaches, depending on the different types of caffeine they have. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how you consume the caffeine, can you get different types of headaches or sort of those caffeine withdrawals? Right. So I think it's more of a withdrawal thing. I don't, I think the caf- the type of headache you get is to kind of depend on the person. But if you drink caffeine on a regular basis and you stop, as we all have like a large <laughs> coffee in front of us, it when you stop drinking caffeine, you will get those withdrawal headaches. It's just part of it. Right. But it's the same thing with dehydration, right? If you're really dehydrated, you'll get a headache. So if you're drinking a lot of coffee and not enough water, you'll get the same exact thing. So it's really just like a balance of the two. Well, and can it factor into more like, I'm thinking like soda with caffeine versus like just a plain drip coffee. Yeah, absolutely. Caffeine is caffeine. So, um, and actually there's, there's a lot of nutrients inside coffee that actually help. 
um, with more than just energy. So mm-hmm. I would recommend getting your caffeine from coffee versus those other things like the sugars and, and the chemicals. And, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, and, and sometimes people have bad reactions to those chemicals, right? So like the gut is your second brain for a reason. So I think your gut can have a direct effect on your headaches or your pain and your inflammation in your body and everything. So if you're having too much of those artificial sweeteners from monsters and all that shit, you're likely to get more headaches than you would from coffee just from that alone. Because those, again, artificial sweeteners, I don't, they don't cause weight gain, but I know that too much of them can't be healthy for your gut. So I would just recommend coffee and like, and there's nothing wrong. Like I'll go like, fuck, I haven't had a coffee today. My head's killing me. I'm going to go get a coffee. Like there's nothing wrong with that because I know it helps. I've never experienced headaches from and i drink a shit ton of coffee oh yeah bro like i could go i could go like a day or two and and not not get a headache yeah and like like i said i think it's a personal it's an individual thing it's a genetic thing like who knows what it really is but that definitely happens to me all the time or psychological when you start thinking about it you yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. or you you get like super tired like that's more for me like i'm like fuck like i need some coffee right now i'm just tired yeah you know what's funny is like lately i haven't even um I ha- I've been drinking less coffee uh, because of, and shout out to Krebs if he's watching this or any of the guys in my group, like literally like being a part of a group that is all like, it's a mastermind essentially, right? It's like a bunch of guys who own businesses that are trying to grow. We're doing more things like being a part of that and having daily accountability from a group of guys. And that's why I structured my online men's program to be all in the one thing, right? So like I have all my guys from Vigor in one thing and I have all my guys from the online program in one Facebook group and they're all like on the same mission and just separate because everybody relates and it's like daily and weekly accountability. We practice shift six every day. Michael's been experiencing this with me. We're on a 90 day journey and like it fuels you up so much more. Everybody's been way more consistent. Everybody, dude, people have been having weight loss since we started that and nobody has changed anything. They've just been more into it and they've just been stress-free and stuff, right? So like in my online guys are having crazy breakthroughs, guys at uh, Vigor having crazy breakthroughs, Mm -hmm. be talking to family they haven't talked to in years. It's fucking crazy. But it's all it's all from that association, right? Right. And like I was gonna tell the guys in my group the other day is like, dude, my calf like legitimately my caffeine consumption has been cut down like significantly since I've been in that group. Cause I'm just constantly fired up because wow. people are pushing me. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to do more, I need to help more. Like I'm meditating more because these guys are like, yo, have you meditated today? Like they're on me about it. Like it helps a ton. Right. Which is just crazy. But that just goes to show like people watching this or people listening to this, go find association and accountability. Access, association, accountability are the three most important things for results. And I think in every aspect of your life, period. All right. The next one, can your body go through phases of gaining and losing weight, which can ultimately play into future weight loss? So this kind of came from a question that we were just talking about recently with my whole um, journey for the photo shoot. So I got pretty lean on the photo shoot. I was pretty happy with it too, because I wasn't like shredded for stage. I was really lean and I could see all my six pack and everything, but it, it was like something that I did that like other guys can see in it. It's like, that's possible. Right. Um, but recently I've like over the course of two and a half weeks, I've bumped up my calories significantly and I've actually keep dropping back down to my photo shoot weight. So it's good, which means I'm reverse dieting properly. We took an aggressive approach and my body responded well to it, which you got to kind of play it by ear. But this conversation kind of stemmed the question, like, does your body go through a phase of fat loss and then a phase of weight regain? And it's kind of about tricking your body a little bit, right? And I think the biggest thing is, is we were talking about this the other day, like America has a huge problem 
not with dieting or losing weight because actually studies show that America is really good at losing weight. Like we crush diets and we crush training. We have a really big issue with weight regain. And a lot of people that start a diet actually end up a year later heavier than they were before. Um, And it comes from a couple things, unsustainable dieting, uh, too restrictive of dieting, um, poor training, um, quitting, right? Like people will diet and do cardio and then they go, okay, I'm at my weight loss. I'm miserable. Fuck this. I'm done. (laughs) And then they stop everything. So their body has adapted to this fat loss phase, quote Uh unquote. And then when they come back to it, their body doesn't know what to do with all these calories. Right? So I think that's the biggest issue. It's hard to say like what phases your bodies go through, but I would say, yeah, like you're in a, a catabolic state and then you're in an anabolic state. Right? So with the way I described it was when you're dieting and you're slowly pulling calories away, your body keeps adapting to that calorie limit because it wants homeostasis, right? So as I drop calories, I start losing weight, but then my body adapts and that's my new maintenance for a little bit. And then I drop again. And as you do that, stress hormones like cortisol and everything go up right. and then growth hormones like testosterone, libido, all these things go down, which is the opposite of what we want. So we kind of put ourselves in this damaged hormonal state as we diet because our body doesn't want to lose fat. Now, if you're obese and you have weight, a lot of weight to lose, this won't happen for a while. It's like when you start getting really lean, making the shift from I'm at my goal, I've lost a lot of weight, but my hormonal state and my calories are pretty low. Like that's not a good thing. I'm going to switch the flip. You got to go really slow. Like I think that's the biggest key. So what I did is I actually kept cardio around, didn't change anything. And I just added a little bit of calories. Then after the course of like three or four days, we realized that my body was responding really well to that. So we took out a couple days of cardio and I added a little bit more calories so I could go enjoy New York. And I I really just loosely tracked. I just didn't binge or anything when I was there. Came back. I really only gained a couple pounds, but it lost over a couple days. So then we bumped it up again, bumped it up again. But I've kept cardio. So I'm still doing four days a week of cardio. Too high intensity, too low intensity. But I think the issue is, is I'm being patient with it and other people don't be patient, Right. right? And I think that's the biggest takeaway here is like, your body will go in this crazy state of fat loss from a hormonal perspective. And it's a lot of change for your body. So think of doing that in the opposite way. Like obviously your body's going to regain weight. Um, so I think the most important thing to think about is yes, you go through these phases. Yes, you go through these hormonal changes. Make sure you ease into it when you're dieting and make sure you ease back into your maintenance when you're not dieting. And I think everybody, like I'm doing a reverse diet specifically for how I look and how my weight and everything. And I don't think you need to go that far. But I do think it's important to consider those things and slowly go into it because I'm going to be healthier because of that, right? Well, let's look at it from a different perspective too because I can like, yeah, I can relate to some of that. But, you know, for hard gainers, right, like me, guys like me, um, and like we we can't really look at that and be like, okay, well, like that, you know, that's me. Like I, I don't I don't relate to that at all really. So – for me, it was okay. I got to I got to 200 pounds, and then you know I started experiencing like more food sensitivities, and then obviously with that it was like man, like I was just feeling like shit. So then you know my calories, you know they they got cut, and like I wasn't training like I like I should because again like I was I was feeling like shit. Like my gut health wasn't really um, you know optimal. Um, so then I lost. I went to 185, and then just hovered. You know. Right. That's that's about where I am right now. I'm a, I'm at like 188 now, um, and that's just I've just put put that on within like the last like three weeks. But again, like going back to the whole patience piece is like now I'm like trying to figure out okay instead of having you know six to eight 
um, you know, eggs every morning, right? Right. Like I have to figure out now, okay, how do I split it up? Because I don't want to have the same thing every day, right? Like yeah. I like acai bowls, but I, I don't want to eat an acai bowl every single day right. because then, you know, my body is going to be like, it, it might reject it. Yeah. So I got to come up with different ways. You know, now I'm, you know, starting to impl- implement more uh, smoothies in the morning, um, you know, oatmeal and just trying to like switch it up. Right. And smoothies are good too. Cause you could throw so much shit in there that right. changes it. And exactly. I think that's huge too. It's like variety is the key to a healthier gut. Yep. So like your spectrum is literally just the polar opposite. Right. Yep. So how do I get to a weight that I feel comfortable in, 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 I'm actually working with a guy right now. That's the exact same situation. Like he's been trying to gain weight forever and it's like, okay, let's bump up calories. Let's do all this stuff. But his thing is like, and, and I do my stuff in 90 days for the online stuff. So it's like, Oh, I want to be 175 in 90 days. And it's like, well, dude, that's 20 pounds. Like that's retarded. Like right. I, I don't want you to do that because that's going to same thing. Like you could say that you went pretty aggressive with it. Yeah. I think right? I did gain 25 pounds in the first. So, right. Months, so yeah. my whole thing is, is like looking at that experience and being like, yo, like you should probably take twice as long. Like let's gain as much healthy weight as we can. Yeah. But what's the point if you can't sustain it? Yeah. Just, excuse me. The same thing is what we did with, we just talked about with the fat loss. And I think in that sense, it, it just comes back to the same thing, but just flipping the way you're pulling calories in right. and out, slow it down on the way up and then slow yourself back down to maintenance. And I think it's probably harder because once you build up that calorie limit to where you gain that much weight and muscle, it's harder to like, for me, like right now, like I'm trying to add calories slowly and keep my weight down. But it's very hard to do that when you're trying to keep your weight up and right. reduce calories. It's right. almost damn near impossible. So what I would suggest in that situation is slowly reduce training volume, but try to keep your food there and pick sources of food that are easy to consume that have a high calorie limit. So nuts, oils, things like that. Maybe switching your macronutrient ratio from less carbs to more fat because it's really easy to get a lot of fats in your diet, right? Yeah. Or picking things like, I mean, acai bowl is actually a really good example because their calories are pretty high. Their yeah. carbs are pretty high but they're easy to eat, right? Same with smoothies. You can put a ton of stuff in there. So switching Three to things. Three tablespoons like, of peanut butter. Yeah, and you are and you got <laughs> calories, right? Or things like granola, things like, yeah, oh, but like yeah. those do have a lot of calories, sweet potato. So I would suggest doing that and then figuring out a meal schedule, right? So if you were eating five meals a day, stick to five meals a day and just plan it. Be like, okay, I'm going to cook every meal in this oil or this oil or this oil. I'm going to have X amount of fatty protein to get more calories. I'm going to eat salmon. You know what I mean? And just having a system. Because if you get to the end of it, and that's the big thing, right? You get to the end of it and you're like, I don't have a system. You're just going to kind of go like, man, this is stressing me out. Right. Fuck this. I'm just going to eat when I feel hungry. And then what happens? You lose weight. Yeah. Right. Or you're on my spectrum. You're like, I'm just going to eat when I'm hungry and you gain weight because you're yeah. just always eating. Like, and that's not the goal. So I think that answers the question a little bit, but it's, it's pretty much like, yeah, your body does go through phases of weight gain and weight loss. And we got to remember that homeostasis is where we want to be which is our body's trying to get comfortable and and know how to stay in that area, right? And I think that's the hardest part because fat loss or muscle gain is constantly taking your body out of that, which is not what it wants. All right. What is an an accurate and affordable way to measure body fat? I've Googled some scales, but they all seem pretty much like BS. Most scales are BS. I, I don't even step on, like I stepped on the one again, that was probably, I think like two weeks ago, but I don't really use scales too much, but so I, I can't really answer this question. I mean, I've, I've been be diving into this a lot simply because 
the more my online business grows, the harder, like I got to really think about it. You know what I mean? Because when you see people in person, it's easier to like communicate with them and let them know, like you're, you're obviously seeing results, look at the way it's everything. But when you're online, I have to, for me to adjust things for them, I have to have a, a way of knowing if they're progressing. So lately I've been doing pictures, weight and measurements, but none of them are body fat scan. And I actually just watched this video the other day from Jeff Nippard and he did, he went to the, um, like university in Tampa Bay, I think it was. And that's where they do like all the crazy, like training studies. And they, they tested all these like body fat things and pretty much all of them, the closest, the most accurate one was 8% variance. So if you got 7%, you could be within a couple of percent of that. So it's really the only, in some sciences, like the only way to truly tell the exact body fat percentage is, uh, having a cadaver and doing like autopsy shit which obviously isn't an option. So it's like, so unless you can be resurrected. Yeah. Right. So like the key here is, is like, honestly, I just encourage people to not worry about it. Right. Like, or if you do go into it knowing like, okay, I'm going to go here on a Saturday morning. I'm going to have 16 hour fast before no water. I'm going to do a bod pod or a DEXA because those are the two closest scanners. And then I'm going to do that exact same replica 30, 60, 90 days later. Right. Because then, you know, like, Okay, kind of I might not be yeah, I yeah. might not be 10%, but I know last time it said I was 10 and this time it said I was 8. So now I'm lowering my body fat, right. right? And I think that's the big key. But if you if you constantly take pictures and you're weighing yourself and you measure yourself, I think that's important, but like just doing weight for instance is not a good idea because if I have a higher carb meal or or I happen to have more sodium, I'm going to retain a shit ton of water and the next day I weigh myself and I'm all pissed. Well, right. It's like did I can gain 4 pounds overnight from eating in my macros, but having a high sodium and more water, right? Like it's just not, not a smart way to go. And then it messes with people's head and timing too. I think that if you do do something like that, that you got to do it at, you know, at the same time, like, you know, instead of doing it like one time you do it in the morning and then the, the next time you do it, like, you know, in the evening, yeah, you know exactly. I mean? like it's, yeah. it's gotta be consistent. Definitely. Especially with weight because food bulk, I mean, yeah. like, I think they said like, you take in like 13 to 16 gallons of, uh, water per day or something like that um, because of like water, uh, liquids, every like, so every vegetable is like 80% plus water, right? Like meat is like 60% water, like, which is crazy, but you take so many fluids in throughout the day that you're going to be skyrocketing how much water you can take. So you're going to be way heavier at night than you would be in the morning. Well, and I think going off of consistency, something I didn't realize, even though it seems so obvious, but if you are going to weigh yourself and use a scale, use the same scale. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was, I had a scale downstairs. I had a scale upstairs and I would just be like, Oh, Oh, I'm lighter downstairs. I'm I'm going to weigh myself. I'm just going to go weigh myself. And there was a variance between the two. And so I just thought I was going up and down. Test your scale. All the time. Oh man, that's bull. I'm going upstairs a day. Yeah. That's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and like, so I had somebody, uh, like was frustrated because they weighed themselves like, few days early than they were supposed to for the update and they were like a pound heavier and they're carb cycling so i was like oh was last night your high carb day yeah and i'm like okay so weigh yourself after your normal low carb day like you usually do and then she was like oh shit like i'm i'm bad like i'm actually down a pound this week i'm like well that's why like it's easy for your body to retain water and that's not a bad thing it's a good thing like it's healthy it's normal but big shout out to this lady too by the way who uh montreal in montreal uh, who's who's sending this question? My, so oh, he's got my phone. I, what, I I forget. Like, I think it's Tibby. I should have looked at her name before we started. Shout out to yeah, she's from uh, Montreal, Canada. So across the map, we've had a couple from like Boston and New York and and a lot of place on the East Coast lately. So shout out to the East Coast and 
the message is spreading, man. It's actually pretty exciting. It's pumped. All right. Final question. How important is heart rate according to fat loss? I like this because I think we're going to have like slightly different All opinions. Right. Go on ahead. It. So I think for the only reason you need to worry about heart rate is two things. One, if you're a performance athlete, because if you are an MMA fighter and you need that metabolic conditioning where your your heart rate's going to jump up, but you need to be able to strength train and and go hard and be have stability, all these different things, and fight essentially at a higher heart rate and keep that controlled. I think that's important, um, or really any type of sport for that instant uh, essentially, because if you're on the football line and it's like a rush play, you can't really like sit there and be like, oh no, I got to recover and let my heart rate calm down, right? You got to be able to do that. Um, or in extreme situations, like we're working with a guy who just got through chemo and stuff like that. So we got to slowly work into his mm-hmm. heart rate and me and Theo are kind of doing the the dual programming and nutrition on that. And, it, and it's a fun experience actually, because we have to look at these charts and see how he's doing and, and, and change intensity and volume as we go. But for strictly fat loss, I think it has zero effect because it's, it's, are you getting the cardio in? Are you getting the volume in? Like, is your macros, your calories in check? Like that's to me is like so important that I don't think unless you're trying to build metabolic conditioning that it matters. And I guess the only twofold would be if you can better your heart rate variability, you can possibly train harder and that might burn more calories, but I don't think there's enough evidence to prove so, that. But what about the, I mean, the correlation between proper conditioning and, and burning fat or putting on muscle or whatever. So I, I, that's where, that's the, that's where I look at it. Right. Like there's always a more efficient way to do something, right? Like you could, let's say you do high intensity cardio for, um, you know, three days a week. Right. And you don't really have a measure of it. You're just like a lot of people's idea, right? Like let's take some, some people who come into vigor who are there like two times a day, six days a week, and are doing way too much and their their whole mindset is okay i gotta do more i gotta do more i gotta do more and they run themselves into the ground right and even when they get that break that their heart rate really doesn't come down so there's there's doing there's a point where you're doing too much you're not letting your body recover so when i start thinking about heart rate variability and even if you don't have a heart monitor right like if you if you kind of just count um you know you put your your fingers on your wrist or on your neck and you keep track of, uh, you know, how your body is, is, you know, where your heart rate's going. Like, let's say you get it up to 156 beats a minute and then you take a break and then you want to, you want to get back down to that, that resting heart rate where maybe you're at, you know, 60 to 70 beats a minute, right? Like how long is that taking you? Right. So that's something that you want to actually keep track of to where you're going to be more efficient and the more efficient that you are, whether you're strength training or conditioning, your body's going to be in a lot better shape. So I think. I agree from the recovery standpoint, but then the issue becomes like the purpose of cardio is to be inefficient because if I become efficient and I adapt to it, my body will burn less calories to get the job done. I agree. So but, then it's like, but this is what, this is what I'm saying is like, you'll, you'll notice, right. The, the, the whole, the whole de- I mean, the definition of conditioning your body, right. Is the recovery process. So again, like, you know, if I, if I go and run sprints right now, because I haven't, you know, I haven't played soccer in, you know, a couple of months, um, or anything like that. I haven't really been doing any, uh, conditioning like that to where it might take me, you know, three minutes to, to recover, recover. right. Versus in a couple of weeks, it might take me 90 seconds to recover. Right. right? So again, like you, you can, you can push the limits, right. And you can even push it to a higher, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
cardiac output, right? Or, or you know, maybe you're going to 160 or 170 beats a minute. You're 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 reaching, right? And so that's where I think that it, it's going to come into play. And and when you increase the demand, then and there's different ways to to implement that, right? That's why we do you know EDTs or mm-hmm. um, you know uh, different intervals throughout. Uh, our, our team training sessions. So there's there's a method to the madness, but I think that when you when you challenge yourself in that way, and again, it's just like strength training, right? When you increase uh, week to week, when you increase your numbers, or you know, like you have a goal each week, then it becomes a little bit more specific. Your body becomes more efficient. I think that you're gonna burn more fat, right, or put on more muscle. Yeah, I think I think it just like it, it's hard because it goes back and forth because I think increasing conditioning is different than decreasing body fat, like. Because if, but it, but then again, it comes down to playing with programming, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and that's where things change. Because if I do 15 seconds on, 45 seconds off for 10 rounds, after a few weeks, I will adapt to that. And my heart rate will improve from that. And I will no longer burn as many calories. And it's right. just plain and simple. Right. Strength training, I can add weight to the bar. I can add a rep. I can yeah. add a set. So, but then with the conditioning, and this is where I think a lot of people go wrong. is like, oh, I adapted. I'm not burning as many calories. 14 rounds. Oh, I adapted. 18 rounds, right? It's like, that's not the goal. Like, okay, maybe we go 20 seconds on 40 seconds off. So, and then in that sense, yes, you can, you can play with it. I just think it goes too back and forth. I don't think, I think heart rate, it comes into play for sure with recovery, especially because if you recover better, you will perform better. And if you perform better, and I think if you master your heart rate, you might build more muscle. And I think that's why sprinters who have a good heart rate variability, who can recover fast, I don't think they're super, super lean from their heart rate variability. I think they build a lot of muscle from being able to condition and perform at an explosive amount. And that muscle mass burns the fat. So, and, and, like, yeah, like you can always improve your performance, right? But like you can only go so far with your body fat before you die, right? Yeah, like yeah, if you 100%, go below, 100%. you know, 3% or something like that, like your, your body's not going to be able to sustain itself. Yeah. So it, it, it is going to get to a certain point. But I think that, you know, again, like the, the better condition you are, the you know, the more efficient that your body works. And let's say you get to a healthy uh, body fat percentage and you maintain that, but like you still improve your performance, like, you know. Yeah. So that's, uh, again, like, I think that it's just kind of like the, the different ways that we approach training, right? Again, like we've talked about before that we're kind of polar opposites. Right. So how we look at it is going to vary a little bit, but at the same time, at the end of the day, it, it, it shares a common interest. Yeah. Right? And I think that's like the big key is like, I think when you put like the scientific side of it, it doesn't, I think, I think heart rate variability is at the bottom of the totem pole when mm-hmm. it comes to like burning fat. But I do believe and agree with you when we look at long-term spectrum health, I think it's very important. And if you don't keep that in mind, you won't keep the body fat off. And I think that's the biggest thing. But I think, I, and it's one of those things that comes naturally. I don't think, I don't want people to assume that that's like the key. And right, then it's right. like, okay, I'm going to start this right. journey. I got to get a heart rate variability. I got to right, wear the right. strap around my chest. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. If you're an athlete or you're serious about your stuff, then that could probably benefit you. And I think it's a good idea. We did it for a long mm-hmm. time and it helped, especially with recovery. But I do think like it's definitely comes in later, right? Like it's not something you really, really need to focus on. But if you don't consider being healthy and keeping conditioning high, then I do think that like, and it's just like long-term health is not going to be as good. And that's the same reason why I switched up my cardio recently. It was like, okay, I was doing the same stuff over and over again. I'm going to alternate. Like I'm going to do low intensity, high intensity, low intensity, high intensity, because I want to be able to do everything. And right. I think that's important. Right. I agree. So, um, I think that a good source for people to go look to is, uh, I mean, if you go follow Joel Jameson, yeah. 
Um, I mean, just read his content. Um, you know, the dude is the dude is a monster, and, and what he's done with heart rate variability. And I agree as far as you know, uh, uh, you know, a fat loss standpoint that it's uh, again it's at the bottom of the totem pole. Um, again, I'm very I'm very lifestyle based and. Um, you know, I think more about like longevity than anything for my clients. I want them to be with me for, for as long as possible, or even just like the people who are watching this or listening to this, um, that again, like it's overall, it's about health and fitness, but like HRV and what he's done with it, they've actually been able to predict how long somebody, yeah, it's like crazy, bro. I went and listened to that. Go check out that vigor life podcast with Joel Jameson. When you told me that and like how crazy it was, I went and listened to it and I was like, right. It's crazy. But I think too, like for trainers, this is important more so because you can learn about this and implement it into your client's training without making them wear a heart rate strap. Right. But I will say like the guy we have who we have to pay attention to that stuff too. There's got through chemo and everything. Like it's exciting because where we can like play with things. That's where we can kind of geek out and he's all for it and it's helping. Like we watch his doctor send reports back of like things getting better. Um, but I do think it's important because, and it's the same way, like I, like uh, we talk about lifestyle based, like the way I'm improving my heart rate variability is changing up my aspects of cardio. I'm still doing the cardio, but I'm constantly tweaking things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Changing your rest periods, like doing different styles of training. Like that's an easy way for you to do it and not running yourself into your ground. Like you right. said, cause that's just, that's never going to be good. Boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vigor Ground Fitness and Performance. Whether you live in the Seattle area or not, click the link below and find an opportunity to transform your body in 12 weeks or less where you get more structure, more access, more accountability, and a follow-along program that can give you the results to take you from point A to point B. Once again, click the link below to discover how you can do that.